so, uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to our apocalyptic music panel. Um, I'm Widget Walls. I'm the chief cook and bottle washer of needcoffee.com, and uh, myself and my two compatriots here, we have uh, Rob, who is uh, DJ and hosts Juxtaposition on KDHX, so he knows stuff about music. And we have Tuffley, a DJ in his own right, who has yeah. the, the ever-evolving randomizer playlist. Uh, yes, which you should find on Spotify. Um, but so he knows stuff about music, and and I listen to it. And I'm I, the, our podcast. I, I refer to like a musical Top Gear, and I'm James May. So uh, <clears throat> thank you. I, lo I love rooms in which jokes work. All right. So um, basically, how this came about was is that uh, I have started listening to dubstep. Now, people either react to that with, okay, no, yeah, or... Don't judge. Yeah, no, no, they can judge. I'm just, you know, saying why. But, okay. uh, but I always used to tell people that my brain was like watching a Spike Jones bit, <laughs> classic television. And if you've ever seen it, you know it's basically chaos on a biscuit. I mean, it's like instruments flying out, people flying out of instruments, and it's insane. So that's my brain. So it takes a lot to get me to focus. Uh, you'll learn this as the hour progresses. But um, for me, dubstep music is like, you know in Land of the Dead, they would use fireworks to distract the zombies so they could get stuff done? That's what I do to my brain. Because the portions of my brain that want to go da 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 da, I, somehow that music just sort of latches in and the productive part of me can go, is it busy? Oh, thank God. So. Uh, but I was telling Rob about this, and Rob was talking about the apocalyptic nature of a lot of dubstep, in that even if it's not talking about the end of the world, some of it sounds like the end of the world. And that got us thinking about doing this panel. And once we started thinking about apocalyptic music, we really couldn't stop thinking about it, because there's a hell of a lot of it. I mean, I started thinking about stuff like the Carmina Burana and a lot of soundtracks, and you brought up 99 Red Balloons. And I was like, yeah, that works. So, Child of the 80s. Yeah, Sorry. well, me too. But, uh, but no, I think what we're here to talk about is just that subject. And feel free for anybody to jump in. But what I find interesting about music is that no matter how much you've heard or know about, there's always more of it. Uh, so there's like entire subgenres and stuff like that. So if you're going to jump in, tell us what you like first. Like, what's your favorite apocalyptic thing? Uh, because then we'll all, you know, get a nice listening playlist out of this thing. So, yeah. uh, but we'll start, we'll basically, how we normally do these panels is we just start rambling and then you guys jump in and it becomes a party. So, so is there an apocalypse we're not doing? An apocalypse we're not? Are we just kind of going to all of them, you know? Well, I think, we're, I think we're going to, to all of them. I think that we will go ahead and say that, um, uh, we can get all the jokes about musical apocalypses being stuff like, you know, the return of disco is its own type of apocalypse and stuff like that. Uh, oh, good, because I have those. Oh, you have those? Well, <laughs> yeah. You want to get those out of the way? <laughs> well, boy bands. Uh, we, can, we can go for that. Uh, I've got two. Totally. Uh, I can't go for that. Uh, <laughs> no can do. No, thank you. All right, what do you got? Which one do you have to touch I wanted to get that one out of the way first. Yes, toughly go. What do you got? Okay, so I was thinking, I, this actually blew your mind a couple of years ago. Halloween playlist? Yeah. Mind exploding. So I had two for zombies, specifically. Yeah. I, and they're both by Soul Soul. Okay. So uh, for the first one, I had Back to Life. Yes. Which, okay. Which, which I did it for you on a Halloween list. Yes. And you went, brain exploded. Yes, it, it did. It was good. And the other one, which was kind of related, which is also by the other hit by Soul to Soul, by the way, uh, keep on moving. <laughs> don't well, stop. No, I mean, I, I think that's something fair that you don't, that you shouldn't necessarily laugh about. You're like, look at this, who the hell are these people now? But when you think about it, um, dubstep is kind of a progressive spinoff from the trip hop movement of the early night of the early to mid nineties. So a lot of that stuff that was coming out of Bristol and Portsmouth and, and London, that sort of like Portishead, Massive Attack, Soul to Soul stuff, all of those people that made records in that time grew up listening to all the records in the eighties where every pop record in Britain, more so probably than the US, there was a genuine because of the nature of Thatcheristic Britain, um, there was a general so, sort of social sense that seeped into all the music of the world is really going to, there's going to be a fucking bomb. So 
that is kind of a natural progression for you to put that in there. That's kind of the way that their their pop music went. Yeah, and on that note, the order of death, public image limited. Sorry. So another great one. <laughs> that's a, that's an excellent one. Which is funny because I was introduced to that again. Me always going to soundtracks is uh, the great, sadly out of print soundtrack for hardware. Oh yeah. Ooh. Which uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's basically um, alien with a robot in an apartment. Uh, with Dylan McDermott, done on the cheap, but I like it a lot. They finally put it out on DVD recently in a nice special edition, but it is the only soundtrack uh, that that on the cover says, featuring the music of Ministry, Public Image Limited, and Luciano Pavarotti. <coughs> Very true. So yes, it's, uh, it is a great soundtrack, but that is where I first heard that, because that features prominently in the film. So nice. Yes, it all, it all comes together. Strangely. Yes. Um, let's see, where else can I go here? Um, I, I have to go into the mountain killing joke. Because, break <laughs> it down now. Uh, also, because there's a story in band about this, because uh, in the 80s, uh, Jazz Holmes was the guy who was the head of, uh, uh, of Killing Joke, uh, famously. Uh, left and fled to Iceland for the upcoming apocalypse. It was, what, 82? Mm-hmm. You remember this? Okay. So, 82, um, there were, that was the myth. Um, I think closer to the truth is that he just didn't want to be on top of the mobs that week, which was the, uh, the rumor that, because they, they had a couple of things in the charts and he didn't want to be on top of the mobs. So he fled to Iceland for about a year and a half. And he recently fled everything for a while. I don't know if Apocalypse is related, but... <laughs> See, I find this interesting. I never... Okay, for, for those who don't know, Top of the Pops is basically... Is it fair to say, like, the British-American bandstand? Yes. Okay. But with good bands. All the bands are great. With, with in theory. Yeah. But but syncing. Lip-syncing, yeah. everything. Yeah. So so basically, that's... For, for those who don't know, I, I had no idea that in the UK... I keep hearing stories from these guys about how, for bands, being on that was sort of an apocalypse because they just seem to all hate it. <laughs> yeah, if, if you Google though, the uh, the version Nirvana did of uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" on uh, top of the pops, destroy the the mining myth, where he does the lounge lizard version of that song, is really really hilarious. <laughs> but uh, not to kill a joke. Um, there's a couple places you can go in their catalog. Uh, I started with, because I started my playlist with Death and Resurrection Show for me, self-titled. Mm-hmm, uh, right. The 2003 album, which actually is a very hard track and great to start things with. Um, what else did I do for Killing Joke? Uh, I also did A New Day, and actually, uh, Doc Hammer actually suggested that one. So. <laughs> That's actually pretty good, yeah. So I noticed that one, and. Um, I love these guys compare playlists. He's just marking stuff off of his. It's hilarious. I think I have War Dance on there too. Mm, which is okay. From, uh, which is from the first album. So I have I have quite a few of these. The, there will be Take Home. Okay. <laughs> I already have mine on Spotify, so I'll be posting that. I'll be publishing that after this thing. If you guys want to know what? We're nerds. I know. Yeah, we are. Spotify. Is Rob, what have you got? Well, it's interesting. Some people are boring with soundtracks. Go. No, well, no. I mean, it's interesting because we, we were talking about like. Do we do it apocalypse in the purely context of like end of the world apocalypse? You know, kind of like you said. Do we do it like you know the zombies are coming? Do we do it as like you know um, your own personal apocalypse? You know, in terms of like that bitch broke my heart. I'm oh, a mess. Sort I of. I would be here for days. Yeah, exactly. So I tried to sort of center it a little bit, um, but and partially because I realized if you took it as a personal apocalypse could be a really horrible breakup where you're miserable and sad, then technically Love on the Rocks by Neil Diamond would count, and I didn't want to go there. So, yes, but it works. It's so great. It's like the best drinking song in the world. I was telling John Barrowman this the other day, that it is actually the best drinking song ever, and he's like, my God, you're right. It was really funny. I want to hear Barrowman do that now. No, you don't. Um, so anyway, I, do, actually. Uh, I was coming up with a list of stuff, and I was trying to think, okay, Widge is going to steal everything good that's new, and Tuffley's going to kind of go everything before him. So since I'm the old fart on the panel, I'll go old school. So what's interesting is that I was trying to go back, and you can find a lot of apocalyptic music in classical music, deeply steeped in classical music, particularly 
into the early 1900s, like a lot of the Stravinsky and things like that, because they were living in um, either pre-Bolshevik or Bolshevik Russia. And there's a very sort of the anarchy movement of the early 1900s was a plethora of great places to mine anarchy and end of the world apocalypse music. But then I started going back to like having talked about 99 Luft Balloons, um, which when you listen to it, it's like. Yeah, it is. Oh my God, it's a, song about, it's, a, it's a song about the end of the world that's sort of been co-opted by car commercials and stuff. I love like Watchmen. all these. Yeah, but I thought it was really well used in the Watchmen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, it, it's sort of like you hear these things like like Mad World, how it was used in Donnie Darko, for example, is a perfect example. You know, if you listen to the original Tears for Fears version of Mad World, it's like you know the core of the song is like I, I'm. I want politicians sort of to stop talking nonsense and solve the problems of the world because they're going to blow it up, you know, kind of a song. And that works really well. But then I started digging around. And there's one of them that smacked me so much in the face, I couldn't believe it. My wife's like, you didn't think of that? And I'm like, no, uh, I didn't until you know I heard it on, on Sirius. And she's like, oh, that's really funny. She was laughing at me. But I Melt With You by Modern English. Perfect example of meeting someone, being in love, that sort of... No, I mean, when you, in the no. 80s, everyone was really worried in the 80s. I mean, in the 80s, I was the last generation of people that, like, they trained us in grade school to go to fuck your head in the bomb shelters. I mean, and that was a big thing. So, like, I Melt With You for, is a perfect example of that. Enola Gay by OMD is another one. Um, it's a song about bombing Hiroshima, you know, yeah. with pop music. It's like, really? Okay. Um, I would argue that anything by Wham would be apocalyptic too, but that's just me. Um, there's a really great song. It's really sort of cheesy and poppy and a little dated, but I would recommend um, Heaven 17, which was a split-off group of the Human League, uh, did a song called Let's All Make a Bomb that is just like so tongue-in-cheek. Um, it's, it was actually banned by the BBC for being too anti-Thatcher. Right, um, which is great. There's also um, "Let's Have a War by Fear" is another great one. And if you get a chance, there's the the Dead Kennedys. Uh, is it Kinky Sex Makes the World Go Round? Where they have the conversation with Reagan and Thatcher, and it's mostly all spoken dialogue, but it sort of captures the essence of what that period meant. Um, moving into the '90s, or going before the '90s, the Ramones, Blitzkrieg, Bop which yeah. you don't think of as an apocalyptic record. And then, yeah. And then you start looking at the Ramones sort of Rocket to the Rocket to Russia album and some of that stuff, you're like, wow, it is kind of in here a little bit. Um, Love and Rockets, for example, the whole Earth, Sun, Moon album, I think could almost be constructed as, you know, the world is going to hell kind of a record. Well, Late, Bauhaus before that. Yeah, some of the Bauhaus stuff even too, but that was a lot of that was sort of steeped in glam. Yeah. So where does that line sort of go? Uh, but Waiting for the Flood, you know, for yeah. example. Um, uh, I, I I can't believe I'm saying this with a straight face. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. You know, it talks about just flat out. We're gonna buy two tribes. Yeah, two tribes, and you have war. The cover of war. I mean, almost that entire from Welcome to the Pleasure Dome record is all about the world's gonna end. Let's live this like hedonistic dance party sort of thing. Um, and then this week I was listening. Uh, I was up late, and I was I, I got the This Moto Coil box set, which I highly recommend you doing if you have never heard them. Um, but this Mortal Coil has all these like really sad, dreary sort of um, songs that are just great, miserable, you know, fuck it, the world's ending kind of songs. Are, I, I highly recommend them. And then um, this one was so obvious I didn't even think about it. Technically, Imagine by John Lennon. Hello. You know, it's just it's a very simple call to arms to end this sort of, um, and this is depending on your point and of view. And the perfect circle version fits, I think. Yeah, but you have to sort of look, it, it sort of depends on how you look at the issue of apocalyptic music, right? That's sort of like, Imagine by John Lennon is sort of like the reaction of like, let's not have to do this anymore. So in a, in a weird circular kind of way, it makes, in a robust kind of way, it makes sense. And then the converse evil sort of stepbrother of 99 Luft Balloons um, because I think it sort of captures the sense of like isolation, despair, and brooding that comes with like a lot of great apocalyptic records is the is uh, Major Tom coming home by Peter Schilling because it's basically a guy in space who's going to die in space if he doesn't come home and you just it's sort of this own like personal my world is ending and I'm facing it kind of a thing you know um, and then the entire Joy Division record decade. Uh, are, are closer, the one with decades on it. That may be the most dreary record ever, and I love it. I played, I it, my, I played it at my wedding. So. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's interesting you mentioned the thing about the, um, 
And I hope I'm sorry I'm rambling. No, 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 it's, no, it's cool. The, like, like with Imagine, because you don't... The, the, the tendency is to think of like an apocalypse, is that either everything's gone, or that um, 95% of stuff is gone. Like, you know, Walking Dead, you're just in whatever's left. But, you know, really, the interesting apocalypses for me, because I was thinking about it, about, you know, coming from a position of, well, you know, I write a lot. And I, I actually do at some point want to count up in my short stories and stuff how many times I've ended the world, because I tend to do that a lot. It interests my therapist. But anyway, um, uh, I was th the nature of apocalypse, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. Because talk about the personal apocalypse in your world ending versus the rest of the world ending. And even in something like Imagine, there's no ruins left. It's actually more of a going beyond into a utopian ideal. White so, space. What's that? White space. Yeah, white space. It's like, it's like the, um, uh, what, what was supposed to come out of the end of Watchmen is, yeah. is perfect peace. So the apocalypse is just the world ending as you know it, uh, not necessarily just completely ending or the planet blowing up. So there's all these different degrees of apocalypse that you can play around with. Um, what uh, the first one that I thought of, of course, because I always tend to think of this band, is Party at Ground Zero by Fishbone. There you go. Um, because yeah, I mean because if, I left you that one. Uh, thank They're you. here on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They're here on Monday. Rob's just gone thorn. Um, <laughs> and I'm here on Monday. Oh, oh awesome. Okay. But but uh, but no, it's it, it's funny you brought up the the soundtrack to Watchmen. Yeah, and it's Monday. Sorry, Rob. Uh, it's funny you brought the soundtrack to Watchmen because it's really interesting how um, you know you take uh, take a song that's not even about the apocalypse, but you put it in the uh, in the right context, and suddenly it just fits. Like there was just something for me about um, well, Zack Snyder is very good with his, his soundtrack selection. He, to me, he's he's a lot like you know Edgar Wright in that the the, the compilation of existing songs into a soundtrack is yeah. is, is is pretty artful. Um, but like in Watchmen, the, the sequence where um, they're going up to Ozymandias' complex with all along the watchtower playing, you know, two riders were approaching and they're approaching. And for some reason, it was just like, even, even knowing what was going to happen, and I keep it clouded for any one person in here who might think of it as a spoiler. And if, if you don't know Watchmen, oh God, please seek help. Um, but uh, dear Alan Moore, dear Alan Moore, thank you for the no comment. Um, <clears throat> but it's just like the finality of the ending of uh, of uh, Halloween with Mr. Sandman. Just somehow that going over the closing credits was just like holy crap. So I find it very interesting how you can take something and contextualize it, and suddenly, even if it's not there, it's suddenly quite there, and it fits in a weird way. Has anyone ever played any of the Fallout games? Oh, yeah. There you go. All of them. I just chop all of them. And all the all the all the music in that game is great. And you did it, it comes out in contacts with a lot of old blues, a lot of old jazz mm. that just comes out and it's even like some even like forties pop stuff mm. just fits in the game. It's really mm -hmm. good for atmosphere. Yeah. Well and you were talking about like old school classical stuff. I mean like I mentioned it for oh, oh gravity. Uh I I mentioned this before, but like the uh, the Carmina Burana, yeah. which even if you don't know it, you know it because there was a point at which that was pretty much used. There was like a law passed, I think, in the late '80s, where it had to be in O Fortuna had to be in every movie. Did you notice Excalibur. that? Yeah. There's a sampling of O Fortuna, and I think it's the third album or the fourth album of Enigma. The entire yep. series of tracks in that are very like weak. And like walking through the nothing and the dead cities kind of idea. Yeah. Um, introducing conflict of uh, unfortunate yeah. going back and there's a lot of that. Yeah. That's good. Did you have something? Uh, I was going to point out uh, the James Warner ripoff. If you ever seen the movie Glory? <coughs> yeah. Some yeah. Movie, the very last scene. Mm -hmm. It's very familiar around it, but he added. An extra part to it, yeah. You don't even really hear, hmm. but I mean, even at that, that's even cycled around and kind of made the market of you know the apocalypse. 
stuff. People listen to that thinking that they're listening to Marina Brianna, but it's actually James Horner. Huh. I have to go back and listen to that, because I... Yes. Yeah. That pissed me off whenever I found that out. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> nice. But no, the, uh, you're talking about sampling. There is also, uh, and, and a guilty pleasure listening for me is uh, Apotheosis did. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Apotheosis did basically a remix of O Fortuna and, uh, you know, a, a dance remix. And I know on the first reaction to that is, oh no. Uh, but actually, it's not bad. Um, so, uh, for some reason, I, I found that somewhere. Yeah. Music tends to materialize. It used to materialize physically in my house, and then we got away from physical music, and now I'll have my iPod on shuffle and go, where the hell did that come from? So I have no idea sometimes. But no, that's, <clears throat> that, that's the enigma is a good one. But, um, uh, yeah, the, and, and the, the version of the O Fortuna that, if, you're, if you want to look it up, is, the, is actually done by the uh, <coughs> Atlanta Symphony Choir that Robert Shaw directed, but it's, it's a Carl Orff um, uh, translation of it, to that version. Because there's, there's multiple versions. It's basically, um, and I forget what century, but these monks wrote poetry of uh, body. The, the, the Carmina Brana is basically about, like, Drinking and partying and fucking basically. I mean, written by monks, which makes it somehow cooler. Uh, so, so that was good. Um, but the the thing that strikes me though is the um, soundtrack wise, because again, my brain kept going there. Was uh, Goblin and the uh, the Dawn of the Dead soundtrack, which uh, to me is fantastic. I also recommend. There's a band called Daemonia. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And they basically do like rock covers of that soundtrack uh, and other Goblin hits, <clears throat> where when it starts, you're thinking you're actually listening to the soundtrack, but then they start adding more guitars and stuff like that, and you just okay, this actually works. Um, the other one that strikes me is, uh, well, just in general, the soundtracks of John Carpenter, uh, like Prince of Darkness, which I think I mentioned before, um, and, uh, and The Thing, to me, have a very apocalyptic feel to them. Um, the thing I find very interesting because forever, because John Carpenter does his own soundtracks, and by the way, if you've not found or, or watched the music video that he and his band did for the theme song <coughs> Big Trouble in Little China, it is comedy gold. Uh, it is the most retro scary thing you'll ever see. So I highly recommend that. We've got big trouble in Little China. And it's just like, Oh my God! Kurt Russell signed off on this anyway. Um, but well, he signs off on a lot of things. Yeah. Um, oh, it hurts. So, what was I saying? Oh yes, the thing uh, though, because John Carpenter does all his own soundtracks for forever. I thought that was his, but it's actually Ennio Morricone. Um, but what's amazing is that Morricone just made what sounds like a John Carpenter soundtrack. Um, and just like completely dead on uh, because it's very he, he goes with a lot of just steady beats and, and then odd eerie synthesizers coming in and build I mean, up. yeah build up lots of build up to tension and stuff like that so it's the sort of thing that even if you even if you listen to the soundtrack to the thing without having seen the movie you'd still get that feeling of dread of like oh man this is going to be bad so uh, I highly recommend that as well <clears throat> and also, what I find interesting is when you have, like we're talking about pop songs, pop songs that are in reality about bombing things and the end of the world and stuff like that. But if you think about uh, Dawn of the Dead, now I'm, Dawn of the Dead, everyone's seen Dawn of the Dead, yes? The original, the classic Dawn of the Dead, okay, lovely. Um, what's that? Loki agrees. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, <clears throat> there is a little thing that they play. Uh, a little bit of happy music called the gonk, which you've probably heard, again, even if you haven't seen Dawn of the Dead, but it's the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It was in Shaun of the Dead as well, which was their callback. But they end the movie, the, the final credits with that. And then it ends with, like, the, the clock in the mall going off, like the thing at the end of Mask of the Red Death. And it's just, I mean, honestly, it is a masterful kind of happy... Oh, everything's great, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? Type of thing. Which is somehow more menacing than all of the beats of, like, the Thing soundtrack. You know what I'm talking about? Somehow, it's the smiling maniac that's worse than the one who's, like, glaring at you. You know what I mean? I'm going to smile at you while I stab you. So, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the best way. So, so that's, that's what came to mind. And, I mean, I'll go ahead and mention it because it, it is sort of like the elephant in the room at this point. You were talking about the, the world is going to end, so let's just have a dance party and go crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's Prince 1999. Yes. Which, yeah. which, again, you know, you can listen to, uh, never think about what it's actually saying, but that's basically what it's saying. Yeah. So... I went a couple of goofy places because you had mentioned that goofy pop thing. We do goofy places. What do you got? Um, there is a group. There is a girl group out of uh, England called Johnny Boy. They did a track called "You Are the Generation" that uh, bought more shoes and get what you deserve. Yeah, <laughs> they're great. Excuse they're me, great. I'm writing that down for myself. Actually, they're are they English or they? Are they? I think they're like Scandinavian. I can't yeah, remember. I don't know. Yeah. But it was a hit in Britain. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is a name that too. No, it's just yeah. not in my head. Thanks. And uh, I think for some reason, and I don't know why I did this, but I put Keep a Knockin' by uh, Little Richard on there. Yeah. Keep a Knockin', but you can't come in. It is kind of interesting <laughs> that in pop music, you didn't get a whole lot of stuff, you know, with like. You didn't get a lot of Elvis. You didn't get a lot of, like, even the Rolling Stones or the Beatles. Well, actually, you got painted black by yeah. the Rolling Stones. Yeah. But you didn't get a whole lot of the early days of rock and roll of these, like, really sort of um, stuff. Although, I have an argument with a friend of mine about Rock Around the Clock. But that's just me. Well, um, the context of Black Jungle, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but the 50s, I think, were the sort of, like, post-war... Let's not put that in our music because we have to think about it kind of culturally. We need to make everyone feel better. Yeah. And then Which is why it works so well in Fallout. <coughs> then they turn the corner to the 60s and it's, oh, all, all bets are off, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, even things like White Rabbit, you know, just yeah. all those kinds of, whoa, you know. Um, I don't, again, it's, there's a fine, a lot of people think that anti war songs are anti war songs, but that, there's a lot of them that are like, no, these end of civilization songs. You know, this was actually you know a pretty good area for people to strip mine for songs and and cultural ideas. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I tend to think that a lot of the stuff in the, like painted black, I think, is probably almost perfect in terms of just how it, and even to a certain extent, sympathy for the devil. You know, mm-hmm. sort of are these sort of like ways that sort of capture the essence of the times without like beating you over the head with it. And late. Yes, Street Fighting Man's another good one, you know. And you don't think the Stones necessarily as being a, a band that made you know strong political or social commentaries, but in many ways they were. Uh, briefly, briefly, but between groupies. <laughs> well, and then and then you get into something more obvious, like uh, the end by the Doors, yeah. which yeah. which on the surface is just about you know single sort of carnage, but really goes a lot deeper than that. Yeah. Talking about the end of a hell of a lot, yeah. so that that's another one that. Yeah, and uh, then we'll get to her because it just popped into my head when you said that. Uh, <laughs> is that there's uh, nothing well there's the violent films there's nothing worth living for tonight, which I think is from thirteen, and then there's um, what's the what's there's something on on um, never mind by Nirvana that's really not some not Teen Spirit that's really uh, maybe something in the way. Yeah. Um, I'll think of it. Well, that that definitely uh, on the unplugged version with the strings has that feel to it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting too, because when you're young, you're like. Oh God, it's Simon and Garfunkel. But then when you get older and you listen to it, you're like, wow, okay. I love Simon and Garfunkel. I know, I do too, but I didn't really get Simon and Garfunkel until I was like almost a senior in high school. You have to get away from your parents and listen to that stuff. Yeah. That's funny, my parents are the ones that gave it to me. Yes. Uh, Jackson Brown, the deluge, before the deluge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It's not exactly the apocalypse, but it's like the flood. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. the other one that sprang to mind, because we were talking about the flood earlier, was, was okay. Here Come... No, well, not that specific yeah. song, but I mean, I mean that's, the, that's the beauty of, you know, flood imagery, is that it's all over the world, and it comes... So, Here Comes the Flood by Peter Gabriel. Mm-hmm. can be pretty much any level of apocalypse you want, normally personal, but it, it's quite, it's or quite here, moving. Or Here Comes the Writing Under the Rhythmics. Well, a lot of the rhythmic ah. stuff is pretty, is pretty blue. Yeah. I mean, even Sweet Dreams Are Made of This is sort of kind of... 
Sinister. Like Bear. Anything Annie Lennox, like Bear, the whole album. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right here first. Breaks. What's that? When the levee breaks. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say something unbelievably obvious, but Johnny Cash on me. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> well, see, again, that the Dawn of the Dead remake did a lot of things right. Okay, surprisingly, because Dawn of the Dead is like Halloween, watch it every year, sort of religious thing for me. I love that film. Uh, I like the Night of the Dead, of course, but that to me, Dawn of the Dead's the most fun. But that 15 minute like opening prologue before the opening credits, then with that song hitting, it's just an incredible, an incredible build up to that where you just go, oh man. <laughs> What's crazy about that song is too, after you saw that in that movie, mm. it had, I mean, just like, uh, it happens a lot of times with anything that you see that you like or don't like, <clears throat> it anchors you to that scene. So yes. every damn time I hear that song, whether it be on the radio or, you know, in another movie or some shit like that, it takes me right back to a apocalyptic Yeah. Well, what's what's interesting about that because that is like a epitome of apocalyptic song. So well done. But it's interesting that I'm wondering because I I see that because I watch a lot of trailers because you know I go to the movies, do a lot of reviews, and it's it's one of those things where certain trailers just go, oh please, movie open so I don't have to watch your trailer again. But um, I see that in a lot of trailers now. And I'm wondering if a lot of people saw that in Dawn of the Dead and had the same reaction and went, oh, i got to give me a piece of that, you know? Exactly. So that, but, but that is absolutely perfect. And, and while we're on the subject of Johnny Cash, um, you know, the, the cover he did of Hurt, which, I mean, yes, we could talk about, you know, we want to not delve too far into personal apocalypse yeah. because then this becomes a therapy session, but... Well, By God! At, I mean, if you look at it. You can you can kind of say the Trent the the Trent Nine Inch Nails version is more the personal thing. The Johnny Cash thing just opens it up and makes it a larger thing. Well, it's but it's, see to me, it's still the Johnny Cash one is personal, but it's it's deeper somehow. I mean, like to the point yeah. where you know yeah. Trent himself was has gone on record of saying, "Oh my God, this isn't even my song anymore," <laughs> which is like you know. A huge compliment when you when you when you can say that, um, and it's good of him to say because it really is true. Because oh my god, and the song is bad enough, but then you watch the music video, and then I mean, it's just I mean, if you were to like watch that music video and then go listen to a lot of Tom Waits, you'd never stop drinking. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I do. I do have a friend of mine who said I had to take all the Tom Waits music out of my car because I would start playing Tom Waits and my car would drive itself to a bar. So, <laughs> as, you do. as you do. Well, as the car does. It's never you, is it? And by the time you get to Martha, you know, you're pretty much your Christian. Oh, oh, God. See, see, that's what was missing from the Night Rider remake that she and Tom Waits is the voice to get. Oh, oh my God, that is genius. I'm going to have that in my head making me happy all day. You're all welcome. Thank you, Tom. Now, conversely. Has come early. Yeah. Conversely, with Johnny Cash, you could argue that the same. That sort of banner's been carried now by uh, Nick Cave, uh, whether with the Nick Cave records or the Grinderman records. The Grinderman stuff is particularly uh, bleak and morose as well. There's soundtrack. What's the soundtrack of that Western you did, too? Oh, my God. That thing is just... It has a long... The, the one with the long title. Is that the one mm-hmm. he directed? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, just the coward. Yeah. But, wait a minute. Oh yeah, the um, I didn't. Th- did he direct that? I don't think he directed it. Yeah, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Yeah, yeah, great movie by the way. Very, very atmospheric. Um, but no, talking about Tom Waits, uh, does a lot of apocalyptic stuff. I mean, Earth died screaming, which was used in Twelve Monkeys to great effect. Um, but uh, if you're not familiar with it, he did a, he did a, he's he's written. Two musicals, actually. One, the, the album Frank's Wild Years is actually a studio version of a musical, which I would love to see, and I'm not aware of anyone doing it at all. Um, but uh, The Black Rider is, is actually a musical that he wrote with William S. Burroughs, and they performed it in Germany. And I don't know, if, has anyone seen the production? They did, they did a production for German television. It's, it is mental, okay? Now, 
I know you're thinking, Tom Waits musical, you didn't have to tell us it was mental. But I'm telling you anyway, it was mental, okay? Um, but a lot of that is very apocalyptic. It's, it's based on, you know, a story of a guy who, who uh, makes a deal with the devil about magic bullets. And, you know, we're at Dragon Con. I don't have to tell you how badly that ends. So there's that. But the other thing is, another person who carries sometimes just by being around the apocalyptic banner is like Leonard Cohen. Yeah. I mean, the future is just that album. Okay. When I was first getting into Leonard Cohen, I listened to that album. I took it out of the D of the CD player and just like threw it across the room because I was like, I can't take it because it's pretty intense. So, but yeah, the future is yeah. bleak. <laughs> of course, I, I love Leonard Cohen, but you know, almost anything he talks about sounds bleak because yeah. he's just got that awesome voice. Yeah, and conversely with Leonard Cohen, which leads me to, I don't know why, but this is how my brain works, uh, brings me to the Pixies. Where is my mind? Wave of mutilation. Mm. Gouge away. Um, they and, start to go into that happy pop sense. Though. Yeah, which is also fun. Like, yeah. ton of shit. But although, yeah, when you watch uh, Fight Club, and they blow up LA. Yeah. And they're and they're playing that. And you're like, that's song that is now my you know, it's like, okay. That's the anchor. Yeah. And um, Or even playing Frank Black solo stuff in Los Angeles. And some of the like yeah. some of the Arcade Fire Suburbs record too is this yeah. very sort of um, if it had been twenty years earlier it would be classified as that. It's just there's parts of the well, suburbs that are just very even the or orchestrations on the record are just sort of, they sort of weep almost, you know? Well, a, lot of the theme, and, a lot of the themes of uh, suburbs is basically yeah. wishing for things that aren't there anymore. Yeah. Which is kind of its end. Yeah. So, um, I was I was thinking, I'm still kind of in my goofy pop thing, but I was thinking um, there was a video game, kind of obscure, it was for the first Xbox, it's called Steps the Zombie. And there was a lot of, uh, basically, it's that thing in the 90s where they did with all the alternative bands, did the cover record. It's actually really, really good if you can hunt down that, that whole soundtrack. Uh, Who does the Earth Angel cover off of that? Uh, Isn't it? Uh, Death Cat for Cutie. Yeah. Death Cat for Cutie. Uh, That's another example of contextualizing something because it's just, yeah. makes it so great. Yeah. In the night. yeah. It's all sorts yeah. of all sorts of great stuff, and it's a fun, fun record. It's actually a fun game too. Yeah, and but the soundtrack's the soundtrack's a little bit easier to find than the game I found out. So it happens. And speaking of Death Cab for Cutie, uh, sort of spinning off on that Postal Service, the We Will Become Silhouettes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is and even some of even the even all, like most of the po the Postal Service stuff sort of has its own melancholy to it that's like wonderful. But that you just hear that and you're like. Dah. Ooh, they're bastards, you know, because they're humming, you know. And I hate this record because it's everywhere, but it qualifies under the under the sort of apocalyptic sort of. Are you going to say follow me into the dark? No, I was like, I was going to go worse. I was going to see you that and raise you pumped up kicks. Um, oh, <laughs> um, which <laughs> just reactions from the audience. I found a version. Uh, I found a version online of Lou Reed reading the lyrics of "Pumped Up Kicks," like as a as a in between thing at a concert. <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh, you've now made this like my Halloween." All right, you know? writing that down. Is <laughs> Johnny Cash "Pumped Up Kicks"? And even some of the Velvet Underground stuff, like yeah. Sunday Morning. It's just like the yeah. first time I heard Sunday Morning, I had shivers. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's really funny that you know, there's like. Pumped up, everybody's like, "Oh, we can't have these violent songs on the radio anymore." But then, like, this song's about going to a school and shooting people up. How much more violent can you get? Really? I mean, you're, you're going to call Shingy and yell at him about this, but you've got this going on, you know? Um, and again, too, I think the apocalypse sort of depends on where you are. You know, in the '80s, the apocalypse was apocalypse music was like white suburban kids. Rebelling or lower middle class kids rebelling, or even like Cold War stuff. Cold War stuff, yeah. Um, and in the '60s, it was sort of like a lot of idyllic, hopeful, uh, and the '70s to a certain extent, rebellious, experimental. I think is a fair word. Um, well, I think the '70s was the hangover from the '60s. Yeah, and I think the Jim Morrison point is perfect because I think if there's anyone that sort of used that as a theme to sort of mine for really great music, it was it was Jim Morrison. You know. Um, 
And I think even John Lennon, like with with uh, strength, like no one told me there'd be days like these. Yeah, watching wheels. Yeah, which uh, goes I, either way. You can't he, you know, as as a writer, he the Cold War would have been just an endless topic for him to use as you know. Uh, for, I mean, it was for a lot of stuff, but I mean, but yeah, power of the people. You know, even you know, even walking on thin ice by Yoko Ono, which is not exactly the most cheerful song in the world, but it's kind of like it's really dark too. You know, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of sort of. I mean, I sort of started this backwards. It started like, okay, I need songs about the end of the world and the nuclear bomb because that's the first thing I started thinking of. But then I thought, oh my God, Sun Ra, nuclear, nuclear war, you yeah. know, which is probably the only jazz thing I could think of at the time. Um, but... Miles goes there. Miles goes there a lot. Um, you know, uh, a lot of his fusion stuff. You know, I, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of fusion jazz, but fusion jazz is sort of this, I think, reaction to the anger and pissed offness of the situation at the time where like people were like really honestly thought their whole world was yeah. annihilated. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. No, that is well. That is that is literally the the epitome of the personal apocalypse, um, which can go as wide as you want. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's Roger Waters takes it to you know huge levels with like Amused to Death, which is. Really underappreciated album about. Maybe you go back to wish you were here. Oh yeah. Because then you go, you know, welcome to the machine and all that. Welcome to the machine, which can be taken so many different yeah. ways. But yes, but uh, but you no, know, amused to death, and then the stuff he did for um, the movie When the Wind Blows, which is one of those. It's an it's an animated film about uh, an elderly couple uh, post nuclear apocalypse, which is um, not cheery. Uh, but yeah, so he did uh, a lot of music for that, um, and uh, well, Final Cut, of course, yeah. Two Sons in the Sunset, which yeah. is you know amazing and yet incredibly bleak. So oh, I'm I'm surprised I didn't go to yeah. Floyd first. Thank you for helping us. Yeah, yeah, and that leads me to I don't know why, but the soundtrack to Sunrise, the Danny Boyle film by the Underworld, did these. It's mostly an orchestral sort of kind of stuff. Um, with just a lot of instrumental, like, but heavy sort of percussion and synth sounds, you know, as, as, as every, everything's getting ready to burn up. You sort of can feel this, like, sense of, like, things burning when you listen to it, which is pretty, pretty, I mean, it's a pretty intense soundtrack for that, too. I yeah. think. Well, and, and talking about Danny Boyle, I mean, the, again, the soundtrack to 28 Days Later. Yeah. yeah. Which That's is a great soundtrack, not only for the, the score, but, I mean, the, um, uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the granddaddy song when they're doing their uh, oh, supermarket yeah. shopping homage to yeah. Dawn of the Dead, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, but not only that, but just the, um, uh, but again, talking about the use of classical music, just a fantastic uh, use of a version of Ave Maria when the, when they're in the cab driving out of town. I mean, it's just, I mean, again, it, that's a lovely bit yeah. of anchoring right there. It's a, yeah, it's it's perfectly used, and you could argue that Grand uh, Granddaddy, their second album, The Sophomore Slump. Oh, they do a lot of. There's a lot of really so. I I love that. I, I couldn't <coughs> stop playing that record. It's like this is so grumpy. I love it. It was just like sad, and it was just like you know, it was like there is something nice about a really melancholic lyric with these sort of cheery vocals. Like to me, the newest example I could think of, the most recent perfect example of all this was um, Do You Realize by The Flaming Lips, which is like this dis disgustingly yeah. cheerful song, and then, and everyone, you know, someday will die. You're like, oh, thanks for kicking me in the nuts, Dick. I appreciate it. Yeah, what's over here? This might be a beautifully vague question, but whenever you start mixes, yeah. by chance do you start more on the mindset of fight or flight? For, for mixes? Like, you know, say you have like a track list that you want to listen to or something like that. Say the apocalypse happened or some shit like that. Hey, are you going to have a fight mix where you just, ah, I'm going out in a hail of bullets? Or are you going to be like, okay, I'm running the fuck away? It depends on the context of the apocalypse. If it's a man-made nature apocalypse, I'm probably, or if it's a natural occurring apocalypse, like a hurricane or an earthquake, I'm probably going to be a little more chilled. But if it's a bunch of fuck, fucking politicians dropping a bomb on something and I have no control over it, then I'm going to rage. So I think, I think that's probably how I would do it. 
Um, although I would spend so much time at the apocalypse trying to figure out what I was going to play that I would miss it. And everything would blow up. <laughs> Dude, I could just see you. I could see you with your collection going, no, I don't it's know. It's kind of like... Or toughly like crossing off lists. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like the apocalypse support line, you know. Uh, please specify the type of apocalypse you are at. Press one. But no, I think... That's why they have the playlist on iTunes. You just set it up to the side. All right, hurricane mix, this. All right, government. Ah, fuck off, this mix. <laughs> so you can do it. She broke up with me. See, I, one second. I just, I, I love the idea. We were talking about doomsday preppers earlier. I love the idea of, of the, uh, you know, well, we could, we could put together food rations or we could prep our playlists. No priorities. Let's prep the playlist. <laughs> that's, yes, right that's here. obviously what we're going to be doing on Twitter when this I know. So, so you think that, someone else. that uh, Ballroom Blitz could be used in a zombie apocalypse? Yes. Yes. I, well, that's just one that I've thought of before. Is it's like it's one of those everybody's other happy. It could almost be like an apocalypse because you hear the and the man in the back is everybody attacking. You have the girl in the corner who's like. Yeah, well, the, the, the song like that that was actually used was in the, the uh, Argento film, Demons. There is a fantastic sequence yeah. in which... Uh, has anyone seen Demons? It is, it is lovely and ludicrous. I, I recommend you do it. <laughs> Basically, these people are trapped in a cinema, and um, there's some cursed mask that per, you know, somebody cuts themselves on, and they turn into a demon, and of course, everyone they attack turns into a demon. And somehow, inexplicably, they've all been, like, shut up in that no one can leave. And there is this, like, piece of modern art, you know, in the lobby that's like a katana is involved and a motorcycle. And all I can tell you is, just imagine where that goes. And the song playing is Fast as a Shark by Accept. And which totally works, which normally I would not say. <coughs> yes. Damn. But it's the killers on the attack. I mean, it's just, the, the mo- you just go, okay. Any time that you're watching a film and you just go, yes, this is what I showed up for. That's that scene. So yeah, yeah. definitely Ballroom Blitz by Sweet would be or, perfect for that. Or Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Circle gets the square. It, it's, about, it's, a, it's literally about the same, where you just go, God, this is so perfect. Can I back this up and watch this again? What do you say, here? Um... What about for Goofy Apocalypse, every single nuclear fusion bomb montage you play Walking on Sunshine by Katrina? <laughs> Which actually uh, is another perfectly sort of tongue-in-cheek. It's written by Robin Hitchcock, who is probably one of the most um, cheerfully sardonic people in the world. I, um, and it's, I, I interviewed him once. I'm like, so how much money do you get from Walking on Sunshine? Because I wrote the song... Because I thought the world was going to end, but now it's the paycheck that never ends, um, which I thought was actually really funny. That's fantastic, you know. Uh, but Walking on Sunshine is sort of one of those, you know, reactionary records, you know, sort of in the same context of Dancing with Myself by Generation X and then later Billy Idol. There's a certain sense of, you know, of that as well. In that sort of like, you know, cavalier sort of screw you. I'm doing this, you know. I'm not going to let you do this to me, kind of thing. Or pretend we're dead by L7. Yeah, the other thing, too, is Invisible Sun by the Police is also yeah. very good. So. I hope I hope this panel is making some sense to you. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Okay, good. It's not just me. Yeah. Tool. Uh, yep. Oh, yeah. Tool. Yeah, there's a lot of great tools. Tool, yeah. The Tool Perfect Circle catalog you probably throw in there in a hole. Yeah, there's generally, there's some sort of apocalypse in there everywhere. I mean, on... Any level you want. What yeah. level of apocalypse do I want? Tool is there for you. And now with even Pussifier, it's, you know, apocalypse and one. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. And Widget was talking about people put together great soundtracks. Darren Aronofsky puts off these soundtracks that are just, <laughs> like, really dark and, and awesome. And there's a composer named Clint Manshoe yes. yes. who used to be in Papa Lee itself. Oh, God. And they have this really great... Um, uh, Oh God! Um, this is the day. This is the hour. This is this. Yeah, I mean the, the, the one about um, Defcon One. Defcon One. That's it. Yeah, Defcon One is great. Big Mac fries to go. Give me Big Mac. Give me fries to go. It's like really the world's ending, and that's what you're talking about, you know? Yeah. Um, but they did. That was a recurring theme in a lot of the um, the Popoli itself records as well. Well, and now he puts it a lot in all of his composition stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean. Uh, like, no. You're saying Clint Mansell, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, Lux Eterna, that one yeah. is just kind of one of those, gets so heavy towards the end. I could see that as somebody looking around at the destruction of yeah. civilizations. And 
slow motion of that's the new Karina Barana. The, 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 the other band too that I highly recommend you make it a point to find because they're the first time I saw them was in a club smaller than this room. They put a screen up and and played in front of it, and they ran pictures of rocks would be in heaven. It was bleak pictures of Alberta, Canada in the snow and trains coming into the station, right? And it was Godspeed you, Black Emperor, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. And it yeah. was awesome. Oh, God. They are like, but they're, but they're Again, a lot. 28 days later, they were on there. So. Yeah. Well, not on the soundtrack, um, but in the film. And there's a label called Cranky Records that all of that stuff, that's sort of, it's sort of not quite noise, not quite neoclassical stuff, but it's all very, very much conscious of, you know, things are, uh, uh, finality is sort of a, a, a thing in their music. And they're one of the few bands that I will just go out sight unseen and buy their records and, and have a pretty good idea that I'm going to like them. Yeah. Before we get out of here, i got to bring up the specials. i got to go for this. Ghost Town. I was going to bring up Ghost Town. Ghost Town, Manicine, a couple of those. Yeah, and Oingo Boingo, surprisingly, too. And this oh, is yeah. sort of the same way Fishbone were. No one but Ghost Train, I think, works so well in Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you're like, eh, and you listen to the music, and you're like, yeah, it really is sort of this awful thing. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead is, uh, again, a great way of taking happy pop music and making it into an excellent soundtrack. But um, you're talking about Oingo Boingo. For me, the, the big, crazy, apocalyptic song of theirs is Change, Yeah, yeah. which is... I mean, what I find interesting is that, you know, you're talking about the apocalypse, and I was talking about it's, it's, you know, not necessarily the world ending, it's just the world going through a tremendous change, it is that, you know, you look at, like, the, in the tarot, the, uh, the, the, the tower isn't necessarily death and destruction, it's, it's just a huge amount of change is what it means, which, of course, for the most part, is hardly ever pleasant. So, I mean, that is just... And Elfman likes to go there. Yes. Oh yes, he does. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that's the one I listen to when I just really need to rage and uh, you know yeah. clean the kitchen more rapidly. And a lot of the a lot of the early KMFDM records before NSH left, mm-hmm. um, naive particularly, sort of you know, sort of carries that sort of spirit. A lot of the, the you know not counting Kraftwerk, a lot of the like Einstein they know about and sort of contemporary German stuff from the eighties, particularly like eighty seven to like when when the wall came down. A lot of that stuff's really dark. I mean, um, particularly because probably of all the countries in Europe that lived under the ominous specter of nuclear war, they sort of had the shittiest time of it. And so there's a lot of great, like, like Noi. Yeah, I mean, Noi um, is, is is another example. There's all these really, you know, but a lot of the Noi Mountain stuff is just like, a lot of, at first you're like, it's a lot of banging and clattering and mess, and then you sort of get to the lyrics of it and you're like, ooh, this is really really dark and these people are not happy so they're another good sort of example of that also uh, I would say Floodland by the Sisters of Mercy is sort of one of those like this Corrosion is kind of a great album about decay and desolation and, and the world ending you go Prodigy too yeah um, particularly probably uh, Found in the Land probably and yeah. probably Invaders Must Die which yeah. is the last record they put out yeah, but the Enigma point was very well good. Yeah, yeah Enigma. Good, good call on that one. No. Um, we, got to, we, we mentioned many ministry briefly. Yeah. Uh, New World Order. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, that whole Psalm 69 album is oh, yeah. great for yeah. just, you know, if not the world ending, then the world being well, battered to death by giant machines. And, and, even, your and even Twitch before that, which mm-hmm. was their last sort of... The, industrial record before they got sort of metal is very very like we believe you know uh, is very much sort of and, and a lot of the front 242 catalog is also very much uh, you know like quite unusual by front 242 is like the video of it is all buildings exploding and pictures of uh, you know the bikini atoll test yeah. it's like alright put this on TV that'll be awesome well and, and you mentioned you know the fact that the, the, the location of Germany what they were going through inform their music. I've, I've been fascinated by pretty much anything coming out of Scandinavia because everything yeah. is cold and dark and bleak sure. up there. So, I mean, their, their music, the metal that comes out of there is, you know, it's just really frightening. But even if you have something that's tremendously happy, like I just, just found a band called um, Diablo Swing Orchestra, yeah. which I described as basically if, if Danny Elfman decided to combine Mr. Bungle and Big Bad Voodoo Daddy 
kidnap an opera singer and then go on a crime spree slash road movie. Um, it's but even then, and it, it's it's got that it's got that swing strings horn feel to it, but. Just a shit. There's this undercurrent of just that still kind of type of thing going on. I mean, they call themselves a swing metal orchestra, so I mean, it's it's still there. So that's quite it's quite fun. So there's still there's fun being had, but you know somebody's getting injured. Is what I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah, and even Sigur Ross. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that same sort of like like lyrical feel to it that but but can still it's cold but uplifting. Yeah. It's very cold, but it's they very and very cold. And, and and I will say, talking about Clint Mansell, I meant to mention this is that uh, since I kept going to soundtracks, is the the Requiem for a Dream soundtrack. Yes, which is is probably one of the best films about a personal apocalypse I've ever seen. Oh yeah, I never want to watch it again. It's amazing. I gave it like five out of five stars. <laughs> it was incredible. I never want to watch it again. You know the type of film I'm talking about. Well, that's good. I'm glad I did that. Let's never do that again. Yes, I'm back there. Yes. It is. One, uh, that movie is one of the most, well anything Lars Ventura is, is just like God I, I can watch a lot of things right I Lars I mean and, and she, of course she marries a guy who makes films of you know gelatin but um, that thing I mean that movie like effectively used her music so well that that's one of those records I can't listen to anymore right I mean and you listen to like this is the same person that made it's oh so quiet, right? Yeah. You know, let me get this straight. It's like it's like, man, who pissed in her cornflakes? Because that record was just I mean, I mean, that is like driving the train wreck right into the ground. And you have to think it's like, okay, whoever coordinated the film with the music just nailed that. Yeah. Um, because it is one of the most dark and even oceanic, um, the, the a cappella record. It's yeah. just all so you know, it's like, God, come on, Bjork, be happy again, really. Yeah. No, I, I, she's creepy when she's dark. It's let, really terrifying. Let's do one last thing here, and then i got to give out prizes because yes. we're about to hit time. So, yes, right here. Uh, earlier when you were talking about Clint Mansell and uh, Rec Room for a Dream, yeah. one of his movies, The Fountain, I've not seen it, but I have the soundtracks to it. It's about, and the plot... Soundtrack's is, amazing. Yeah, and there's one song that's Death is the Road to Awe. And the yes. movie's about this guy whose wife has cancer. yes. That is good stuff. So right. we've all depressed you. Prizes. Prizes, yes. And we're all on Facebook and Twitter, so you can um, very easily you know, carry on this discussion uh, elsewhere. And also, meetcoffee.com. And we have a music podcast. We don't always talk about this. And in the spirit of this, every podcast begins with like a death report. Not by choice, but it just happens. <laughs> like somebody always famous dies before we... for you for some reason. All right, so... And then, and then man, for you for helping me out with... Uh, I've got the Walking Dead shirt, and that's Christopher Walking. By the way, Christopher Walking. And okay, I I think I think you you need the Dead Season DVD. Awesome. And let's see. Oh yes, you. The collapse on and and for Loki, just for being Loki. <laughs> Loki was our He's just the Scandinavian record. And so yes. <laughs> So listen. Thank if you're a fan of Bjork, it's Loki. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Um, if thank you, you. If if you if if you liked what you heard, first of all, uh, the app uh, lets you go in and rate panels. Uh, not just for our panel, but any panel that you enjoy, please go in and rate it because that tells the DragonCon folks and the track directors that they should keep doing it. Uh, so that's fantastic stuff. I'm so glad they added that. Um, we do sort of something like this as a podcast uh, about once a month. It's called the Soundboard. If you go to needcoffee.com and look under podcasts, we have a few of them, but uh, we're there. Uh, and we generally do one big topic a month and a bunch of little topics and news and complain a lot. Um, you never know where. We really yes. have no idea where it goes. My wife leaves the house when I do it um, because it, it she knows she's got, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. If so you listen to the other show. It's the the difference between the other show and our show is it's the one with the topic. Yeah, so. we actually have a topic. But uh, an agenda. We send agendas to each other. Yeah. 
it's an agenda thing. But uh, but no. So so next we're, uh, we're we're going to the Brit Media track where we're going to do something like this for British music. So uh, enjoy talking about music. Also, um, I'm sorry I, if I can attempt this. Uh, I do a radio show on KDHX, which is in St. Louis. It streams online at KDHX online, and I brought sampler CDs. So if anybody wants one, uh, it's not necessarily the dreariest stuff in the world. But if you just want it. There's some Scandinavian stuff on here. There's a bunch of other things as well. But if you want one of these, come on up and, and we'll give you one. And the biohazard bags are here. They are free for the taking. If you don't take them, I will leave them with a track. People, you can use them for anything you want. They are real medical bits from a real asylum. Yeah. We thought of you. <laughs> Thank you everyone for coming. Please tell me they aren't used. What's that? I said, tell me they aren't used. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. They're they're unused. Okay, good. And and you see the shot of the fans going on top of it. What? One of the tenors. And then some couple of tape CDs. Thank you.